When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy. Thanks for joining us, friends. Alicia here. We're back again this week with a brand new sitcom mom to add to our Trashy Divorces universe. Cinematic universe. That's right. One of our favorites, Florence Henderson, maybe the favorite of all sitcom moms. I think so, yeah. And when we get through her story, you might feel just like one of those Brady kids, too. Florence Henderson, remarkable woman with much achievement, but also a lot to overcome and a saucier story than you may expect from the wholesome Carol Brady. With big thanks to Melissa O for the story on this one. This episode, it is the story of a lovely lady with one trashy divorce that accompanies a cultural revolution. Viva la! Let's go, go, go. All right, Alicia, so you've got the one and the only Carol Brady for us this week. I do, I do. And it's Uh how she is remembered Florence Henderson. Yeah. Oh, such a dynamic lady. America's first blended family. (laughs) Florence Henderson has had a long career as an actress and performer. Too many, as mentioned, she will always be best known for her role as Carol Brady in The Brady Bunch. Generations of Americans think of her as the quintessential television mother. It was a role that Florence Henderson took seriously, knowing that there were many kids watching that needed a caring and supportive mother figure in their lives, just like she needed when she was young and didn't have one. Hmm. She explained her approach, Florence Henderson did, by saying, I portrayed Carol Brady as the mom I always wished I'd had. I wanted to portray Carol as as a loving, fun, affectionate mother, and it seemed to resonate with a lot of people who maybe had the same situation I did growing up. I think that's what happens when you grow up poor. As you get older, you want to amass everything and keep everything to yourself, or you know how that feels, so you want to give back. So thank God the latter happened to me. In real life, Florence Henderson had four children of her own, but Florence Henderson also loved these six actors (laughs) that played her Brady kids as well. And honestly, all six of them loved her right back. Hmm. They were all very close until... The time of her death. In 2016, Florence Henderson tells People Magazine, I feel very close to the kids. I adored Ann B. Davis, who played the Brady's housekeeper, Alice. I feel so bad that she's gone, as well as my TV husband, Robert Reed. I think one of the reasons why the show has never been off the air in this country, and it's in over 122 countries around the world, was our chemistry. We all just kind of loved each other. I love the Brady Bunch. (laughs) Uh, I think everyone loves the Brady Bunch. (laughs) It's one of my claim to fame. I can watch 30 seconds of any episode and tell you exactly what's going to happen. No, this is true. I cannot do that. But you do have, yeah, you have almost an encyclopedic knowledge each episode. It's interesting. Florence Henderson, though, as far as divorces go, for our purposes here at Trashy Divorces, she only had one. In her 2011 memoir called Life is Not a Stage, From Broadway Baby to Lovely Lady, Henderson was honest about her life as a performer, wife, mother, and her single later life. And, y'all, some of the details are pretty trashy. Here is the story of a lovely lady. Florence Agnes Henderson was born on February 14th, 1934. She's a Valentine's Day baby. Valentine's Day. Aquarius girl, Valentine's Day baby, in Dale, Indiana. 
Florence was the youngest of ten children, born into a very poor sharecropping family. So 1934 kind of set the stage there. The family moves quite often to evade the landlords when they could not pay rent. And Florence was raised a Catholic, and her faith would remain important to her as an adult. Florence would also struggle with some of the church's teaching, especially when it came to birth control. Hence the title of our episode this week. We'll get to that point in Um, the story. Okay. Still in childhood, though, Florence's father was an alcoholic whose personality and behavior unfortunately would alter greatly based on his level of intoxication. Mm -hmm. Not great. At times, he could be real happy, the most jovial, charming guy you ever met. I feel like we've heard this story so many times. Well, the opposite side of that at other times, Dad would try to touch Florence inappropriately. Oh, no. He always called her gal. And Florence, growing up, believed that her dad just called her gal because he couldn't remember her name, being the youngest of ten. Oh, my god! And drunk. So maybe he just doesn't know who I am. That's a that's a great way to grow up. Okay, well, worse. Because, hold on, it does get worse. To make matters even more terrible for young Florence, her mother just outed, noped out of the family when Florence was 12 years old. Went so, to go get a pack of smokes and never came back. Wow. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, the, maybe some of the 10 kids were adultish at that point? Yeah. Carol was the youngest. Okay, so. so mm-hmm. But still, you got to. 12-year-old with a... Sure, with a dad who's inappropriate. alcoholic mm-hmm. father and a mother who's absent. Yep. Not great. Even when her mom did come back around or Florence would arrange to see her mom in the future, mom isn't Carol Brady. Uh, Florence's mom is very critical of Florence and discourages her from pursuing any talent, ability, or skill that she has. Cool, cool. Wow, what a what a pair to raise a kid. Mm. Now, like a lot of Depression-era kids, we've heard this story before. This is literally a trashy divorces bingo card. Florence wants to be in show business, even as a young girl, right? What does she love? She loves going to movies, Mm -hmm. seeing musicals, and these instill in Florence hope for a brighter future than the one she was looking at with handsy dad and absent mom. Florence was always a talented singer. She says she can't remember a time where she wasn't singing. And Florence's family was so poor. Again, Depression era, Mm -hmm. it's tough. They have a hard time buying food. So the family has this great plan, which is just to send Florence out to literally sing Sing, for their supper. Sing for her supper, yep. Florence will tell the Archive of American Television in 1999, I would go out, sing, and pass the hat for grocery money. However, despite her difficult childhood, Florence, Aquarius girl, always had a strong belief in herself and in her talents. Ah, and she knew she wasn't going to settle for anything less than she deserved. Florence had a dream, and what is the one way to make that dream come true? You gotta get to... New York City? Always. Okay. If I can make it there. Make it anywhere. Take a left turn at Albuquerque. That's right. Something. The family of Florence's best friend helps to find Florence a sponsor to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts oh, in wow. New York City. Whoa, from from Dale, Indiana? Yes, is that what ma'am. you said? All right. So off to the big city, Florence goes. Bright lights, big city. Wow. Now a little bit of a fun spider web here. Florence will stay one night at the Barbizon Hotel for Women, but realizes there's no way she's going to be able to afford to stay there for any longer than one night. I do have a spiderweb episode coming on Patreon about the Barbizon Hotel. It reads like the who's who Mm -hmm. of trashy divorces for women who stayed there. It's got a fascinating history. Mm -hmm. But Florence, I got one night. That's all I can afford the Academy of Dramatic Arts will instead arrange for Florence to have a room at the Three Arts Club for Women on West 85th Street. The Three Arts Club for Women had been established in 1906 as 
safe and affordable housing for women pursuing careers in music, drama, and the fine arts. Now, Florence could have thought pretty bad about this. Her room was really tiny. It doesn't have a window. She shares a communal bathroom down the hall with a bunch of other women. But, but, it was clean. And this is the first time in Florence's life that she did not have to share a bed with her siblings. Oh, right. Okay, so big advantage. So this is basically an SRO for aspiring female performers. That's it. Okay. You get to sleep in a bed all by yourself? Uh Uh-huh. Whoa. Oh, yeah, your own room. It's small. It doesn't have a window, but it's your own. God, that's got to feel like paradise. You don't have to share your toys. That's right. All right, so Florence Henderson had a big career prior to her days as Carol Brady. We forget about it because she's so remembered as Carol Brady, but much of her early career was similar to that of one of our favorite sitcom moms, Shirley Jones. Ah. They were both the exact same age. They were both Broadway-leading ladies. So they were running in the same circle for decades. Okay. There were a lot of times when actually Shirley Jones and Florence Henderson found themselves competing for the same role as two similar-ish young starlets. Sure, sure. Florence's Broadway debut was in Wish You Were Here, and Florence was in the chorus and only had one line, but Spiderweb, the leading man in that play, was none other than Jack Cassidy. Wow. It all comes back around. It really does. Okay, so yeah. Okay. Florence's big break comes in 1952 with a leading role in Oklahoma. It happens when Florence goes to an open call for Rodgers and Hammerstein, and Florence gets far enough to actually meet the legendary pair, and they have her sing and read lines. Isn't this exactly what happened to Shirley Jones? Really similar. Yeah, okay. Rodgers and Hammerstein offer Shirley Jones a seven-year contract right. on the spot. She's the only one they ever signed that way. This is not quite the same story, but there is a similar, yes, feel to this particular bit. Right, okay. So Florence Henderson, bless her, had never seen Oklahoma, so she's offered the role of Lori. And Florence says, well, gosh, what's she like? in Florence's girl-next-door way of speaking, and Rogers and Hammerstein say, she's an awful lot like you. But here's the thing. Florence is a little reluctant to go on tour. She's on Broadway and wish you were here. Albeit she's in the chorus, not a leading role, one line, but Mm -hmm. Florence is kind of afraid that taking the role on tour with Oklahoma... I mean, she's got that swank little cell back (laughs) at the... (laughs) Well, Florence is kind of worried that going on tour there would hurt her chances of becoming a leading lady of Broadway since she won't be in New York. Right. If somebody wants her for a big Broadway part, she's unavailable. Mm -hmm. So, Florence at the same time is going to audition for a part in Guys and Dolls. This is like a 50s, 1950s musical foray through musicals. Yeah. The casting director of Guys and Dolls. Ira Bernstein, knew that Florence had been already offered the leading role in the touring production of Oklahoma. So number one, Ira Bernstein's like, why are you here auditioning for this part? You've got a great job waiting for you. Which is what Ira Bernstein tells Florence Henderson. Sure. And she's like, but have you seen my SRO room? (laughs) Ira encourages Florence to take the role in Oklahoma. Ira says... It's going to be invaluable in your education. You will have the opportunity to really, really learn your craft. This is, this is it. You got to do this. This is what's going to make you. And so with that advice, Florence accepted the role and off she goes in the very last national company of Oklahoma when she is a fresh-faced and lovely 18 years old. Ira was correct. The tour was an amazing learning experience for Florence, but it was not without its challenges. The biggest one, honestly, for Florence was when her father passed away and she could not take time off to go to the funeral. that's terrible. Needless to say, as talked about above, Florence and Dad do have a complicated relationship. 
So making that decision not to go was kind of a difficult one for Florence and one that would cause her to struggle with guilt for a lot of years to come. Sure. The second challenge, oh, guys, this is terrible, was when she got a cold and the doctor gave her an injection of penicillin, which is great. Unless when you get that injection is the time you learn you're allergic to penicillin. Mm. So Florence breaks out in hives all over her face. She's so swollen she can't fit into the shoes that she's supposed to wear. But no matter, Florence goes on stage anyway. Wow. She had a doctor at the theater with her giving her steroid injections wow. to combat the allergic reaction. Oh, that must have been the most miserable performance of her young career at that point. You ready? Despite those issues, Florence got rave reviews for her performances. Huh. Writes a variety columnist, quote, And what a comer is blonde, blue-eyed, lovely voice, lovely period. Florence Henderson, unquote. She was also referred to as The Blonde Charmer, Hmm. by another reviewer. So, huzzah, Florence Henderson. After having a triumphant tour as the character of Laurie in Oklahoma, Florence was rumored to be the leading choice for the role in Oklahoma when 20th Century Fox announces their plans to make it a major movie motion picture. Theatrical experience. But after her screen test... Florence learned that she did not get that movie role, and her fellow singer, performer, and other blonde starlet, Shirley Jones, Mm -hmm. won that coveted part instead. So fascinating. Regardless of Florence not getting that film role, she still has a very strong working relationship with Rodgers and Hammerstein. She would be on call for them to sing, when they had special events and performances. Well, that's super handy, given that they're one of the most prolific writing pairs of the day. One time, Florence performs for them at a private event at the Waldorf Astoria for Prince Ali Khan. Florence adores both Rogers and Hammerstein and gives them both a great deal of credit for the successes of her early career. Sure. No, it's great to have mentors who are, you know, acclaimed creators. By 1954, Florence had realized her dream of starring in a leading role on Broadway. She played the titular character in Fanny at the Majestic Theater. (laughs) Howdy, Australians. (laughs) Throughout the 1950s, Henderson was performing regularly on stage and on television variety shows. I love this story. This is Spiderweb City. So one day, while sitting in her dressing room preparing for her performance, Florence hears a knock on her door. Who's there? She asks, and a voice on the other side says, Cary Grant. Whoa! In her 2011 memoir, Life is Not a Stage, Florence writes, I wasn't biting on that. Another knock. (laughs) It's Cary Grant. (laughs) When I opened the door, there he was. Wow. He apparently loved the show so much that he came back to see it several times. He was a gorgeous man. Later, he would always joke about coming to see me backstage. I wanted to ask you to marry me, but I didn't think I had a chance. (laughs) Had he asked, I might have given Uh, it serious thought. Would have had a chance. (laughs) Coincidentally, at the theater next to the Majestic... There is a performer making her American stage debut in The Boyfriend at the Royal Theater. That actress's name was Julie Andrews. Oh, my God. The two talented ladies, Julie and Florence, are both getting their breaks at the same time, and they become friends and spend a lot of time together. This really is a who's who. What a hotbed. I love this story. Now's a fantastic time. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back with How Florence Juggles Career, Marriage, and Motherhood. See you on the flip. Hey, Trash Pandas. When you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. 
Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, Alicia. I know you can't even wait to find out what happens. Let's go with flow. Flow is more intriguing than you know. Okay, so back from the national tour of Oklahoma, Florence started seeing that very helpful casting director who had given her that wonderful advice just a few years before Ira Bernstein. In most ways, Ira seems really perfect for Florence. She will write, He was very attentive, supportive, very sweet and kind to me, and not very demanding. Unconsciously, I probably surmised that it was also a plus that he knew the business but was not a performer. He would not have a learning curve dealing with the rigors of my career. So Ira likes Florence a lot. He'll ask her to marry him, and she will reply with whatever guy wants to hear. I don't know. Oh, God. It's that certainty that really drives things. I don't know. Maybe. Florence didn't have to consider it too long, however. Florence will accept Ira's proposal, and so this would be 1954, just setting it in the time frame here. Florence knows she wanted to be married and have a family, and she loved Ira. And importantly, Ira had no problem with Florence's insistence that any children that they may have would need to be raised Catholic. But even after accepting the proposal, Florence is still a little eh, hesitant about actually getting married. Why? Her hesitance is kind of chalked up to the fact that she was a virgin and a little bit more than apprehensive about what having sex would be like. And Florence doesn't really feel comfortable talking about it with her married sisters or her friends who have maybe already had the sex. (laughs) Planning the ceremony between Ira and Florence becomes a little bit more complicated Remember that she's going to raise the kids in her Catholic faith. The two do have different faiths. Mm -hmm. She's a Catholic. Ira is not. So during that time, if you were a Roman Catholic, you had to get a special dispensation to marry a non-Catholic. Florence Henderson puts on her veil, goes down to the New York diocese, who promptly denies her request. Oh, wow. Yeah. But no worries, Ira and Florence find a priest in New Jersey who agree to marry them because why? Everything's legal in New Jersey. I have heard that said. (laughs) So on January 9th, 1956, Florence Henderson married Ira Bernstein. Very soon after the wedding, Florence, huzzah, mazel, learned that she was pregnant. Sure. Now, most women in the late 1950s were still playing the conventional role in society once they became wives and mothers. But Florence's career was pretty important to her. She didn't get all the way to New York City from Dale, Indiana for nothing. Yep. And although there were a few examples, there are some rare examples out there about balancing career and family, Florence is pretty determined to find a way to do this. And her husband, Ira, understands how much her work means to her, and is very supportive of Florence 
continuing to perform, which she does in Fanny throughout her pregnancy, all the while fighting morning sickness and other issues that her pregnancy presented. Sure, it had to have been tough to hold, you know, purses, like big, big purses. like While you're doing the song and dance numbers. Big jackets and a weird, like... <laughs> Beach balls. I mean, to to just work all that stuff in to camouflage the uh, that's impressive work there. After much maneuvering in song and dance numbers, Florence will give birth to a healthy baby girl in November of 1956. They will name that child Barbara. Now adjusting to being a new mother and trying to struggle performing on Broadway and caring for a newborn baby was perhaps a little bit more difficult than Florence had anticipated. Has she heard of Buster Keaton? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, just Just put it in a... Tie some handles on her. We'll toss the baby around. Put it in a steamer trunk in the back. We'll be fine. I don't think that baby Barbara's going to go for that because what doesn't really help Florence out... I'm hoping Ira wouldn't go for that. No, Barbara's a fussy baby. She has a lot of stomach problems. And so Barbara throws up a lot. She has a hard time keeping food down, which requires the baby to have frequent feedings of very small amounts. It's like our dog. Yeah. She eats a lot, but only in little amounts at the most inconvenient points wow. of the so, day. So, yeah, so this is very, like more than normal. This is tying Florence down to the baby's schedule. You bet. So there are some direct results from this. Florence is getting very little sleep. She's not eating well. These problems, along with fluctuating hormones, continuing to work, not a good combination. Soon the exhaustion, hormonal imbalances, emotional stress, and poor nutrition cause Florence to spiral into what we now call postpartum depression. Mm. Florence, like mom's suffering from postpartum depression feels, she feels overwhelmed and fearful, and then enormous sadness, and then guilty about not feeling joyful during a time that society tells her she should be filled with joy every minute of every day. Absolutely. It's a lot. Due to all the things that are going on, Florence temporarily stops working. Like, again, mid-50s. Nobody knows anything about postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And Florence basically just had to deal with it until the sadness began to lessen. Yeah, they called it the baby blues back then, right? Right. Like, moms just deal with the baby blues and you'll get over it. Work it out. (sighs) Do some dishes. Have a cocktail. Put on your apron. While breastfeeding. (laughs) Have a cocktail or six. Now, once Florence is not working, taking a little time, just kind of trying to handle it, she's out on a walk with her daughter, Barbara, Thinking that some fresh air may mm, help, right? Sure. Let's just, honestly, you need to calm a fussy baby down. Mm-hmm. You put them in a pram, you put them in a stroller and just walk yeah. them around. Yeah. One particular day, Florence is spotted by producer Frank Egan. Frank and his wife had seen Fanny several times and loved the show, especially Florence's performance. And Frank Egan had been a Broadway performer himself earlier in his life and was now producing what were called industrial shows, corporate concerts, specialty events, special events, big deal performances. Yeah. yeah. So here's Frank, and he sees Florence out on a walk with her baby, and he's like, woohoo, she must be available. Yo, Flo! Let me call her agent, which Frank does, and Florence meets with Frank, and Frank offers her a job. And not only did she take that job, but Frank and Jane Egan would become Florence's good friends. Little by little, Florence starts to feel a little less overwhelmed and day by day just a little bit more like herself. In this time period, Florence does a series of private dates for General Motors Oldsmobile brand of cars. Florence writes, These performances were lavishly staged, but shortened versions of Broadway shows like Girl Crazy or Good News. GM spent a fortune on these shows, hiring the best choreographers like Bob Fosse or Carol Haney and arrangers like Luther Henderson. The great costumes, dancing, and singing 
were a big build-up for the grand finale, the presentation of the star of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for. Introducing the new Oldsmobile Rocket 88. 1950s television man, we're filling up the airwaves. Well, and Rocket 88 was cut by Ike Turner as one of the first uh, rock albums or rock singles ever. I think it was. Interesting. A lot of spider webs here. A lot of tie-ins. So Florence has a great time doing these shows. Sure. Good costumes, easy scripts, song, dance, introducing right. the Oldsmobile Rocket. Sure. Elaborate branding exercises in effect that pay really well. Hunter, why, you take that job. Perfect. Take yeah. that job and run. So Florence is going to continue to do these for several years when she could fit them into her schedule. Sure. I'm sure they're easier to fit into than like... A touring production of Oklahoma while you're trying to get your your baby with tummy troubles squared away, right? Like, 100%. Yeah. Now, I'm going to introduce a new term here on Trashy Divorces, which Uh-oh. I really, really appreciate. So we're going to talk about Florence's strict Catholic upbringing for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Because Florence feels like she cannot use any other kind of birth control other than the rhythm method. Sure. Which is what the Catholics mm-hmm. use. Right, which is why they have families of 10. <laughs> Florence refers to the rhythm method. would like everyone to please start adopting this. She calls this Vatican roulette. Wow. <laughs> That's A+. plus. Vatican roulette. Mm-hmm. So Vatican roulette, turns out, will not only cause Florence to become pregnant more than she desired, but it's also going to cause some other problems in her marriage. Because sex with Vatican Roulette cannot be spontaneous. It is a planned, calculated, scheduled activity, which, I mean, yeah, that takes way the to go Catholic out. sometimes yeah. leads to the lack of intimacy and connection. Add also that fear when you're playing Vatican Roulette that, yeah. hey, maybe this time I am going to become pregnant. And then maybe I'll go through that same period of depression after the birth of this child, which leads to even more fear and anxiety surrounding sex. It's That's a just a healthy thing to inject into a, a marriage. Despite those fears and attempts to avoid pregnancy, Florence was very fertile, and she and Ira will end up having four children, two daughters, two sons, between 1956 and 1966. Four kids, 10 years, Vatican roulette. I mean, Those are the odds. Mm-hmm. Okay. In between childbearing, right? This is going to be 1961. Florence Henderson stars in the first national tour of The Sound of Music. Oh, wow. Playing the leading role of Fraulein Maria to great reviews and phenomenal success. But it was not her stage performances that get her the most attention. It turns out that Florence Henderson has a quick wit and banter, and talk show hosts really like her. Every time she goes on a talk show, she kills. Okay. It gets her noticed with the national audience. So during the years when Florence is having her children, she's also making television history long before being Carol Brady, America's mom, because Florence always handles live television so well and was able to be spontaneous and funny with her responses without a script. She's just, she's a performer. Florence becomes a really popular game and talk show guest. In 1960, Florence goes on Jack Parr's Tonight Show, and she'll accidentally spill a glass of water on his desk during their interview. (laughs) And it was the way that Florence handles this that impresses Jack Parr. Unflustered, Florence gets up and starts cleaning it up. And uh, Jack Parr got a huge laugh when he says, I've always wanted a maid like this. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Jack Parr and Florence Henderson become friends and sure. Florence becomes a regular guest on the show. She is spot on to tell wonderful stories and be utterly charming when she's on the show, like reliable flow all the time. When an audition for the Today Show Girl came up on the same network, Florence decided to audition and she got the job. And she was a hit. 
Florence will leave that job when she has another baby and takes the lead role in The Sound of Music. She will then star in Noel Coward's last original Broadway musical called The Girl Who Came to Supper. In 1965, Florence was once again the lead in a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical when she played Anna in The King and I <laughs> opposite Ricardo Montalban. Oh, wow. I know your fantasy. Mm. Where's the plane? <laughs> the next year, Florence Henderson became the first woman ever to guest host The Tonight Show. Oh, wow. Yep. Eat your heart out, Joan Rivers. <laughs> on December 17th, 1969, Florence sang on The Tonight Show for a very special event. <laughs> Can't even. 1969 was such a weird year. What is this very special event? The wedding of Tiny Tim and Miss Vicky. I was going to guess the moon landing, but okay. No, believe it or not, I think this almost had a bigger audience. December 17th, 1969, the wedding of Tiny Tim and Miss Vicky drew an audience of, you want to guess how many million? 25? 45. Oh, wow. Holy cats, right? Do we know how many Americans there were at that time? <laughs> I'm guessing that was the majority of televisions in the country, though. It was one of the most watched events of the entire decade. It had this dumb 1969 wedding, had more viewers than both the Nixon-Kennedy presidential debate, as well as the famous I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King Jr., Wow. Mm -hmm. Just proves the enduring power of pop culture versus things that matter. <laughs> and here we are with our Trashy Divorces show. And on that note, <laughs> before we get into the pill and how it changes everything for Florence Henderson, let's take another quick break here. Back in a minute. All right, Alicia, let's advance medical technology, shall we? So after the birth of her final child... Mm -hmm. Florence could no longer ignore an issue that had been getting worse since the birth of her first child, her hearing, which as a singer and a performer, hearing is yeah, not the most essential thing, but you kind of want to stay on key. But this isn't something being injured by pregnancy, is it? Yes. Is it? Oh, With wow. each pregnancy and birth, Florence notices that her hearing would get worse and worse. And she will discover that she has a hereditary disorder called otosclerosis. This disorder, I mean, again, hereditary disorder, you don't know until you have a baby. Sure. What happens? You get abnormal growth of the spongy bone in the middle of the ear, which interferes with the transmission of sound. It's made worse by childbirth. Yeah, so the pregnancy hormones basically are sort of fueling... This childbirth, something, something happens, the condition appears. And so after the birth of her last child, Florence has successful surgery to fix the issue. But what happened as a result will change Florence's life. She will write, Solving the hearing problem set some gears into motion that would take me far into uncharted terrain and ultimately shatter my carefully ordered world. So much for best laid plans. Back in the old days, women of childbearing age with autosclerosis were routinely sterilized to prevent them from further deterioration and becoming completely deaf. Luckily for me, there was another option. Okay. Father oh, Charles oh, Whelan. see, okay. A Jesuit priest and a cousin of mine was worried about my situation. It helps to have a cousin as a priest sure. in the 60s. Direct line to the man upstairs, oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, Father Charles, Florence's cousin, was, you know, kind of worried. And he's like, look, Florence, you've had four kids. Your health and your livelihood are at risk. So, well, Father Chuck grants Florence a special church dispensation to take birth control pills, hmm. which had cleared FDA and became available to the general public only a few years earlier. Needless to say, Florence finalizes here, Father Whelan was on the progressive wing. <laughs> Why did this make such a difference in Florence's life? She will explain it best herself. 
The pill held the promise to finally give every woman control over her body and give couples like Ira and me the possibility of worry-free sex. In my particular case, yes to the first part, but no to the second. It was a given fact that the rhythm method was a colossal failure for us. Fact number two was that I was obviously very fertile. Not such a surprise given my parents' ability to produce babies like a factory production line. But fact number three was that changing long-standing patterns in our relationship instantly by swallowing a little magic potion was sadly not in the cards. Hmm. So essentially, not being allowed to use birth control for their marriage up to that point had already established Florence and Ira in such a way of relating to each other that it's ingrained. Yeah, kind of rigid. Yeah. It can no longer be denied that Florence is not getting what she feels like she needs from her husband. She will write, I loved Ira for all the right reasons. He was a great companion and father, a warm and caring lover, and a supportive partner on so many levels. But he was very worried, and for good reason, that I was going to have a baby every nine months. Not surprisingly, I think this created a deep underlying tension. I felt rejected, and it opened my old wounds around this issue from childhood. So, although Ira's attitude and expectations were not changed by the pill, Florence's were. She has the revolution, she'll write, I was 34 years old with this single development. I realized how trapped and subservient I had been to a set of hypocritical rules that I could no longer accept. How hard I had struggled for so many years to try to make everything okay. With the pill, my life went haywire for a little while. Little Miss Perfect yep. checked out. Yeah. Bravo, Florence. <laughs> well, this next section I like to call Affairs Crabs in the End of Her Marriage. Mm -hmm. So Florence still loves Ira mm -hmm. very much. She loves her husband. Sure. She doesn't want to break up her family. But on the other hand, Florence inside is sort of realizing how much she did not get to do by marrying very young and immediately starting mm. a family. Florence had never experimented or rebelled or tried new things. No, you're right about, like, the intersection of her life and this cultural revolution. You betcha. Mm -hmm. How did she say it? Little Miss Perfect. Mm -hmm. Checked out. Florence will describe this she has saying she, quote, leaped frogged from adolescence to adulthood, unquote. Now, Florence's desire to do all of these things culminates when she's doing a nightclub act in Las Vegas. She had freedom, lots of available alcohol, and Florence has the pill. Her first affair was with one of her musicians, and they had great chemistry. They were around each other all the time, performing. This guy was in the same place in his marriage as she was, and when the opportunity arose, Florence took it. The two carried on their affair for several months before they both realized that neither one of them was ready to end their marriages. Florence will continue to explore her sexuality and have a few other affairs during this time. One of these, in particular, kind of makes for a trashy story. It starts with the then mayor of New York City, John Lindsay, <laughs> and ends with a call to Florence's doctor. Oh, no. So Florence had made several appearances at John Lindsay's political events over the years. Florence was in Los Angeles for an engagement, and so was the mayor of New York City. John calls Florence and asks if she wants to get together, and Florence does, and so they go to the Beverly Hills Hotel for a drink, and the night should, could, would have stopped there, but it did not and Florence goes back to Lindsay's room, and she leaves in the middle of the night to return to the house where she's staying. And Florence wakes up the next morning and 
something just doesn't feel quite right. Is there a little burning, maybe? A little, little itchy? Florence writes, I pulled off the sheets and looked down at my pajama bottoms, and I saw something that didn't look right either. What the hell is this? <laughs> what are these little things? Oh, no. Terrified, I rushed into the bathroom. I looked at myself in the mirror. Oh, my God. One of these little black things I saw below was crawling on my eyelid. I had no idea what they were, but then it suddenly hit me. I remembered my brothers, who'd been in the Navy, talked about guys going to sex workers, is sure. how I will rephrase Brothels, this, yeah. and coming back with crabs. Oh, my God. Florence calls her doctor, who tells her what to buy to get rid of the crabs, and Florence leaves the next day to go to San Francisco to open a nightclub engagement, and when she arrived there... Flowers had been sent from John Lindsay and a note of apology. Yeah. On her eyelid. Note of apology. Now, somewhat surprisingly, Florence Henderson and Ira Bernstein did not divorce until 1985. Wow. So they're going to stay together a long time after sure. this. But it's fair to say that their marriage was never the same after the pill. And the crabs. <laughs> That the the pill more than yeah, the crabs. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. The pill will change Florence Henderson's life, but not as much as the Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. Although Florence describes the Brady Bunch as quote a small part of her list of credits, it is what most of us remember her for, and the show she'll always be associated with. When Florence agrees to do the pilot for the Brady Bunch, she didn't really think much of it, and certainly never occurred to her the impact it would have on her life or the world. She didn't really even expect it to get picked up. Mm. <laughs> and it would be several months after filming the pilot that she would get that call saying the show had been greenlit. And although it wasn't Florence's dream job with four young kids, it was an ideal opportunity. It's an understatement to say that Florence was surprised by the response of the show. She also was pretty soon shocked by how seriously people took her changing hairdos. We grew up in the era of Friends and <laughs> mm -hmm. the Rachel. Yeah, you just asked. There was yeah. Fair Fawcett. There was Dorothy Hamill. No, oh, yeah. no, no. Carol Brady. People had very, very strong opinions about Carol Brady's hair. And she was more astonished than anyone by the number of letters received each week about her hair. Hmm. When Florence sports a mullet in the 1973-1974 season, the fever over her hair reached a fever pitch. <laughs> in some circles, Florence Henderson is referred to as the mother of the mullet. In some circles. Now, the Brady Bunch, the show's concept. Blended family, holy cats, hits mm -hmm. at exactly the perfect time. Because divorce rates going sure. up, blended families becoming way more common. Yep, women's liberation, yep. The pill. Mm -hmm. uh, Florence also credits the show's popularity on Sherwood Schwartz's foresight in keeping the show and its subject matters simple and universal. There were shared experiences for both parents and children. And as we talked about before, the cast gets along really well. It feels like a real family. Florence Henderson and Robert Reed, who played Mike Brady, both treat the kids who act on the show like their own kids. Mm -hmm. Again, all the Brady kids, Florence and Robert Reed, all stay close until his death and her death. I don't know if you remember this. Back in the early 90s, there was kind of a trashy rumor, which is only a rumor that went around, that Florence Henderson dated... Barry Williams, Greg Brady on had, the had show. Had gone on a date with, I think was how I heard it. But yeah, I remember this. Right. It's not true. And let, let's let let Florence explain it and unpack it for us. She'll write. Barry asked me to go with him to hear a popular singer perform at the Coconut Grove, the famous but long gone Los Angeles nightclub. I didn't give it much thought since I would gladly have done the same for any of the older children have asked. Admittedly, Barry was making his first steps into adulthood at 15. But it was innocent enough, and I didn't want to discourage him. 
At the time, he was not old enough to drive a car by himself. He had a learner's permit, so he drove with his older brother in the car to pick me up. What is very true is that Barry did have a serious crush on me, which I understood and helped him get past. Let's just say if he had entertained a roll in the hay with me, I would have never done that. Thank you, Florence. Because <laughs> that would be child sexual it'd be, assault. It would be weird, yeah. It would be not great. Since the Brady Bunch debuted on September 26th, 1969, it has been continuously broadcast in the United States and overseas in over 122 countries. This is something incredible. There were only five seasons of The Brady Bunch, 117 episodes during its run. The show ended in 74. It's never stopped being out of syndication. So the show, because of syndication and the spinoffs, feels like it was on for centuries. I had no clue as a child watching The Brady Bunch late 70s that I wasn't watching a brand new program. Right. That's how I learned about reruns. Yeah. I have seen this one before. No, it's up in a category with like, I love Lucy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it is classic television. The Brady Bunch is undoubtedly one of the most beloved television shows of all time and has permeated every part of our popular culture. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I mean, it really. It's my boyfriend, George Glass. Mm-hmm. Every single part. Okay, let's talk about old Florence, always Carol Brady. Florence will continue to work, really for the rest of her life, but again, it is her role as Carol Brady that America kind of would always view her. Florence was a popular guest host on television shows like The Love Boat, The Muppet Show, $100,000 Pyramid, Hollywood Squares, and other game shows. The Brady Bunch itself Didn't end when it gets canceled, though, in 1974. In 1976-77, there was the Brady Bunch Hour. Talk about high on cocaine. I don't know if you've ever seen the Brady Bunch Hour. I'm not assuming any of them were, but the 70s was a real weird time. Sure. I mean, I know the Star Wars TV specials, like, none of the actors remember them. Very They were so strung out. Okay. In 1981, I actually, I remember this. 1981, the Brady girls get married, followed by the Brady brides. In 1990, it was a very Brady Christmas. And, of course, the Brady Bunch movies followed on our big cinematic screens in 1995, 1996, and 2002. And who can forget Florence Henderson and the Wesson cooking oil commercials from 1974 to 1996. Wow, okay. Uh-huh. Florence Henderson, America's mom, mm-hmm. taught us all about Wessonality for over two decades. Do you remember Wessonality? I don't. I remember her being their pitch person, though, and that, you know, playing up the, the goodness that was Wesson cooking oil. Oh, yeah. Wessonality. Florence will go back to the stage and also does many television and movie parts that have utterly no connection to the Brady Bunch. But again, I don't think we'll ever stop thinking of Florence Henderson as Carol Brady. If her career arc were playing out today, she and Wesson would go on to have like a co-branded YouTube channel and she would teach cooking classes. It's amazing. She would have been great at that. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, they would have made it great, you know. Okay, let's go ahead and start wrapping this up, winding it down with a still a few saucy bits, I think. Florence Henderson and Ira, remember, do divorce Mm -hmm. in 1985. And don't worry about old Flo. She's going to find love again. How does she do it? She turns to alternative healing methods for problems that she's going through, including depression, stage fright, and fear of flying. Wow. She goes to see Dr. John Kappas, who was a licensed hypnotherapist who founded the Hypnosis Motivation Institute. What do you know? Hypnotherapy. I don't know what Dr. John Kappas did, but Florence and Dr. John marry in 1987 Hmm. and remain married until John's death in 2002. Hmm. During their marriage, 
Florence Henderson studies and becomes a licensed hypnotherapist herself. Wow. Florence's philosophy was that it was always important to keep moving forward and continue pursuing your passions, and Florence sure enough does that both professionally and personally. In 2016, she will tell the New York Post that not only did she date, but that she enjoyed several friends with benefits. (laughs) Good for her. She continued to believe that it was never too late to enjoy a steamy sex life and continues, it's very healthy for the heart. I think no matter how old you are, and I'm pretty up there in terms of numbers, I think you should do whatever makes you happy. If you want to wear long hair or wear that dress, as long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, I say do it. If you want to go out and have a romantic, sexy affair, do it. (laughs) Florence never retires from performing, and she never retired from enjoying personal pleasures as well. She will tell Closer Weekly, It's foolish to think that older people don't enjoy sex. It's a big myth. There's no age limit on the enjoyment of sex. It keeps getting better. You learn to do things with more experience, intelligence, and the ability to choose more wisely. Florence. <laughs> like I can hear Barry White or some bow chick bow bow. Right, right, right. I'm for this. Florence will continue to act and even compete on Dancing with the Stars in 2011. Wow. Right up to her death, Florence is active and working. In 2016, the year that Florence does pass away, she filmed two movies and had guest appearances on five television shows. Busy lady. Okay. Just days before she passed, Florence Henderson was in the audience of Dancing with the Stars to cheer on her on-screen daughter, Maureen McCormick, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha Brady, who was competing that season. Just days later, though, the world hears the shocking news that America's mom had died of a heart attack. Florence was 82 years old and surrounded by her friends and family. (laughs) The outpouring of love for Florence upon her death was enormous. Heartwarming tributes, expressing love and sadness, came from all of the Brady kids and a variety of other celebrities, including Arsenio Hall, RuPaul, Weird Al Yankovic, Jason Alexander, Seth MacFarlane, hundreds of others, proving that Florence Henderson touched many different kinds of people in her life. Yeah, that's a six or seven decade long career. I mean, Larry King, previous Trashy Uh Divorces alum, tweeted, Rest in peace, Florence Henderson, a dear lady with a great sense of humor and a terrific laugh. America's mom has died. And that, my trash pandas, was the story of a lovely lady. Rest in peace, Florence Henderson. Stacy, I have nothing but halos for Florence Henderson. Sounds like. Yeah. May- maybe, maybe one of the halos has a little creepy crawly on it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What a story, <laughs> just with so many relatable mm-hmm. moments. Like, yeah. Oh, the halos. What a life. So many common things. That was a trashy divorces bingo card all in one. I mean, it really was, yeah. No, that was great. Again, big thanks to Melissa. Hope all of y'all enjoyed that one. We are going to come back this weekend with a little bit of a story related to this one. Uh Uh-huh. You're going to be bringing that to us. Yeah, it's the story of a different Brady. (laughs) For our Patreon folks, do stick around. Our bonus bit at the end this week is about the pill, capital T, capital P, and the revolution it causes. Trashy all around in the best of ways. If you want to get in on those bonuses, you can do it for two bucks a month, along with every Trashy Divorces episode, early and ad-free. But really, that's only the beginning of the Patreon fun. Uh, check out patreon.com slash trashy divorces for more information on all of the goodies. And again, thank you for joining us today. We are wishing everyone a happy St. Patrick's Day for those who celebrate. We'll see you this weekend, friends. In the meantime, keep your hands clean. Oh, keep those hearts trashy, angels. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us. 
Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.